Trawler Talk, the podcast for trawler nuts and long-range cruising enthusiasts. As the signature podcast of Passage Maker Magazine, Trawler Talk aims to engage, educate, and inspire as we dive into the very best of the long-range cruising lifestyle. I'm your host, Andrew Parkinson. This episode is brought to you by Ranger Tugs, the original trailerable trawler. Many, many Ranger Tugs and Cutwaters have completed the Great Loop over the years. In fact, having a trailerable boat affords a looper big advantages. For starters, you can trailer your boat behind your own vehicle, and you can store it out of the water anytime you need to split up your trip. And believe me, that happens a lot along the Great Loop. Ranger Tugs are also popular loop boats because of their livability. I've been on a lot of their boats, and I can tell you the living quarters are comfortable, not to mention climate-controlled. All Ranger Tugs come with a galley, at least one private stateroom and head, and a spacious cockpit. And these boats are made for cruising. They're designed to make adventures like the Great Loop approachable, comfortable, and most importantly, fun. For more information, visit rangertugs.com. That's rangertugs.com. Hey, Trawler Nation. Andrew Parkinson here. I'm the editor-in-chief of Passage Maker Magazine, and welcome to another episode of Trawler Talk. Before we get into it, I just want to take a minute to say thanks for listening. You know, when we went out on a limb and launched this podcast a few weeks ago, we had no idea the response it might get. And so far, it's been absolutely mind-blowing. So thanks for all the feedback and well wishes we've received. Honestly, we've been having a blast so far, and we couldn't be more thrilled that this thing is being heard. So thanks for that, and everyone, thanks for tuning in. Now, I have a question for you. Are you fascinated with The Great Loop and wondering how you can make it happen? Then today's episode is for you. For the newly indoctrinated, the Great Loop is a circumnavigation of the eastern U.S. and part of Canada. The route includes the Atlantic Intracoastal Waterway, the New York State Canals, the Canadian Canals, the Great Lakes, Inland Rivers, and the Gulf of Mexico. Loopers, as they are affectionately called, take on this adventure of a lifetime aboard their own boat, and they go at their own pace. In fact, that's part of the appeal. Not to mention, it offers a challenging but relatively protected cruising experience. The American Great Loop Cruisers Association, the AGLCA, started in 1999. It began as a sign-up sheet for a simple newsletter for members interested in cruising the Great Loop. Today, the AGLCA is a membership-driven organization for veteran loopers, first-timers, and anyone who dreams of someday embarking on what I like to call the Great American Waterborne Adventure. Our special guest today is a familiar face around the cruising community, as well as a regular presenter at our Trawler Fest events, and she's joining us today to help answer some questions about the Great Loop for those who might be considering the journey. Everyone, please give a warm welcome to AGLCA Executive Director, Kim Russo. Hey, Kim, welcome to Trawler Talk. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is fun. Why don't you start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? How did you get into boating, or more appropriately, how did the cruising life find you? Really didn't start cruising till I was an adult. Moved to the Charleston, South Carolina area, um, probably in my early 20s. And for the first time in my life, there was all this water around and everybody had a boat. So we, of course, got one. And um, it's just been a blast since then. My kids grew up on the water. Our boats have gotten a little bit bigger as the years have gone by. And um, there's just a lot to do by boat and a lot of places to go by boat from Charleston. So it's a great lifestyle. For many out there, the Great Loop might seem like a pretty big undertaking. To some, it might even be a lifelong bucket list item. And when you finally get to that happy place in life where you get the boat, you get the time to do it, you sit down and start planning your loop. But where do you start? How do you prepare for such an adventure? That's a great question. Um, And I actually encourage people not to think of it as large scale, because really the Great Loop is just a series of one-day trips. 
if you try to approach it as the whole 6,000 miles, it very quickly becomes overwhelming. So, you know, for most people, every day is in unfamiliar waters once you leave your home port. Um, so kind of planning for it a day at a time. And, and really, you're typically not on the move every single day. Most people probably travel one out of two or one out of three days so that they can explore what's around them. So just a little bit at a time, plan a day or two ahead. And that's all you really need to do till you get all the way back to where you started. When I'm traveling, I meet so many folks who say, I'm finally ready to do it. I just got my boat or I finally found the perfect great loop boat. Is that a thing? Do a lot of loopers, and you know, my father-in-law was one of these people, do a lot of people buy a boat just to do the Great Loop? Yes. Do you, you see a lot of that? Is that I am norm? seeing more of that. Um, I don't know if I'd call it the norm, um, but for a lot of people, even if they have been boaters for years, they don't necessarily have the boat that they would like for the Great Loop because most will spend 10 months to a year, sometimes more, on the boat doing the loop. So that's not always the kind of boat that you have already. Um, some people do it in a boat they have, but we have seen a trend towards more people buying a boat specifically to do the loop with the intention of selling it when they're finished. And many will, but we also see some people falling in love with that lifestyle and then deciding to keep the boat and either go around again or do some island cruising or whatever their, their next adventure might be after the loop. As a magazine that appeals primarily to the seasoned trawler guys and the long range cruising lifestyle, traditionally we've catered to an older audience demographically. But recently, we're seeing new interest in the trawler lifestyle and even the liveaboard lifestyle from younger readers and families with small children. Are you also seeing the median age of Great Loopers skewing younger? We are seeing it. And, you know, trend wise, I don't have numbers I can I can attach to that. But just empirically looking around at events, um, the demographic is becoming younger or, or possibly I'm just becoming older. <laughs> I used to look around and everybody looked like they were my parents' age and now they're all starting to look like they're my age. So I'd like to say that the demographic is getting younger. <laughs> they grow up so fast. Yes. But I, I, you know, I do think we're seeing more people um, who have had military careers who retire at a young age, um, you know, having f done their full career and, and people, you know, police officers, firemen. So we're seeing a lot of that. People who are retiring early and getting out there. So yes, they're younger. But we also are seeing a trend towards more truly families out there, you know, younger parents, younger kids. I talked to a gentleman just earlier today um, with a three-year-old that's getting ready to go. Um, we actually have some family ambassadors for the Great Loop because we realize that families have some other questions and some other challenges when they're getting ready to do the loop. So we've got a few families who have done the loop and have stood up and said, well, you know, this was the best thing our family ever did. And we want to help others do the same thing. So definitely more families out there and more younger couples than we used to see. And is the market also evolving for great loop boats? I know in the trawler landscape, we're having to cover new boats that look nothing like their traditional predecessors, not because we don't still love those classic older models, but because some of the newer designs out there at some point started appealing to long range cruisers and families with younger children. Do you see the Great Loop boat market changing as well? I do think it's changing. Um, I am seeing fewer trawlers out there than I used to in favor of motor yachts, um, other boats that can go faster. You know, part of that is fuel prices are pretty reasonable at this point comparatively. Um, so people aren't as worried about burning more fuel. You know, I, I also think that people who perhaps have other obligations, whether it's aging parents at home or whether it's, you know, a younger couple that has kids that are um, graduating from college or things like that. I think they have a little bit more of a sense of wanting to be able to get someplace faster should they want or need to. But um, typically at some of our events, uh, I have put together some best boat for the loop panels where I try to bring in people with different styles 
of boats and trawlers have traditionally been very popular. We typically have 50 or so boats in the marina at our events. And I think it was two falls ago, maybe last fall, I'm not, pretty recently, um, I struggled to find somebody to put on that panel that had a trawler out there, which wow. was shocking to me. Um, but at that particular event, that was the case. So um, mm. a pretty unique circumstance for us, but I think that just speaks to the trend um, of looking for something with a little bit more oomph to it. What are some of the biggest issues facing great loopers out there? Biggest issues are locks being closed for maintenance. And that, of course, in 2020, the Illinois waterway will be closed for a long period of time. Um, that certainly makes it a challenging year for the loop. The scheduled closure is July 1st through October 29th. Most loopers would typically be coming through the Illinois waterway in late September to early October. So it couldn't be worse timing. Couldn't be worse timing. And I've discussed that with the Corps of Engineers. <laughs> um, sadly, they weren't that interested in my opinion, oh, but no. no, sadly, they are aware that it's not ideal for pleasure craft. They were trying to sandwich the work between flood season and freezing temperatures. And also it has to do with harvest season. It's a very commercial waterway. They ship a lot of corn and grain. So that, that is why they selected the timing that they did. So what are the options? What are you saying to loopers looking for advice, especially this year? We've identified a few different options. A lot of it depends on your boat type and where you're starting from. So what I mean by that, if you are starting from the Great Lakes, particularly like Michigan, a great option is to start earlier than you typically would, get through the Illinois waterway before the closure, and then um, you know put the, the boat in a wet slip and either go back home to wait for fall when it's a more typical time of year or keep right on cruising. So if you're on the Great Lakes, particularly Lake Michigan, that's certainly an option. Um, if you are still shopping for a looper boat, finding something that can fairly easily be trucked it's a very short distance by truck, by roadway to get around the closure. So that's certainly possible. Um, anybody with a trailerable boat, it's going to be super easy. Um, but others, you know, there are some with the bigger boats that are starting from where they have to come up the East Coast. It's going to be a real challenge. So a lot of people are doing some additional cruising on the Great Lakes and then either heading back south for the winter and then starting again in 2021 or some are spending the entire summer on the Great Lakes, storing the boat for winter, coming back in the spring and spending a second summer on the Great Lakes, which is a fabulous plan because there's so much great cruising there, and then continuing on. I know the American Great Loop Cruisers Association is sort of a one-stop shop for all things Great Loop related, from boats to other products and services. Tell us a little more about the AGLCA and how you're helping boaters make their Great Loop dream a reality. Yeah, it's essentially um, a way to connect the cruisers together for the most part. So we provide a lot of information about the loop itself, the kind of things you'll encounter, the kind of things you have to plan for. But I think the, the biggest piece of it is the connections between the cruisers. Um, we have a forum that's extremely active, particularly in the day when social media is so prevalent. Our forum becomes more active, even though it's really kind of a little bit different from social media. Um, but it's a great place to ask questions, get lots of answers. Get lots um, of story ideas for passage makers. There too. you go. <laughs> um, and we have close to 400 harbor hosts around the loop, which are other members who have volunteered to assist the loopers coming through their home port with anything from suggestions for services, whether it's boat repairs or maintenance, haircuts, doctors, you know, whatever kind of thing you might need locally, mm -hmm. or even just re restaurant suggestions. But many of them go above and beyond. Some of them will actually uh, kind of look on our tracking app to see oh, look, there's a looper coming this way. 
um, and reach out to them. Some just walk the docks during the season when loopers are coming through looking for the burgee and, you know, bring them a care package from the local area. Um, some will lend you their car. They'll take you for provisions. It's just, it's a great camaraderie on the loop is there's really nothing like it. So a lot of what the organization offers is ways to connect those people before, during, and after the great loop. It really does bear repeating just how special that camaraderie really is among the cruising community, especially among fellow loopers. I mean, when you set out on your trip, you become a looper. It's sort of like you're joining this whole other new family, so to speak. I can't think of any other pastime with this level of camaraderie. No, I totally agree. And I think that's boating or long distance cruising in general. Mm -hmm. But I think when it comes to the loop, it's even like a little bit more so because, you know, everybody's got this common passion and this common goal of finishing the route. So there really is no other group like this. It really makes my job quite a pleasure because it's, it's a bunch of really fun people. Now, everyone's loop experience is their own. Everyone's story is at least a little bit different, but some are really different. In your experience with the AGLCA, what are some of the more unconventional loops you've heard about? Yeah, we've had, um, gosh, we had a couple recently who started out and their mission was to go around and uh, do community service type projects all the way around the loop. Um, so they kind of added a different factor to the loop that really did a lot of good for the community, but also did a lot of good for them because they enjoyed that. They enjoyed those connections with the different communities they were in and were able to do some really helpful things as they went around. I read a story earlier this year about one looper in particular, who, as it turns out, was an AGLCA member who did his loop start to finish in a 26 foot center console. Definitely not your typical loop boat. No, not your typical loop boat, not your typical loop time frame. Um, yeah, but we encourage everybody to do it in a way that's meaningful and enjoyable for them. So his style was different than many, um, but he still had the trip of a lifetime. We actually had another member um, who did it in a, a, actually more like a 20 foot center console, probably spent less days total on the water than that recent completion, but he went home a lot between. So the whole thing took him over a year, oh, wow. but he would cruise for a week, go home and go back to work for months at a time and then cruise for another week. So if you added up all the days he cruised, it, it was probably actually less, but he just did it in a different style. I mean, we've had people do this in a dinghy playing pickleball a and dinghy, every, the whole loop, in the a whole dinghy. loop. And his mission was to play pickleball in as many places as he could along the loop. So that was certainly unusual. And a lot of the people that do it in those non-traditional ways rely a lot on the kindness of strangers and they find it. Um, there was a gentleman who did it in a kayak not too long ago. We had a, a gentleman in his 80s a few years ago who did the whole thing in a 14-foot scary that he built himself. And when there was wind, he would sail. And when there wasn't, he would row. So all kinds of unique stories. We actually have a couple who is uh, this year on their 30th loop their 30th time wow. around and they're unique. Um, but their, their main reason for doing it so many times is they have a summer home in Michigan and a winter home in Florida, and it's just about halfway. So each year they complete the loop going between their this is how they homes. commute. They just keep how they commute the between the two places. So they're snowboarding, but just in a little bit of a different style than people who just go up and down the intracoastal waterway. I do envy them, but I, I, I'm just glad that my commute is not that long. Well, me too. And this, you know, we had a, a if you remember, we had an unusually cold snap in um, late October. And I actually saw a picture of their boat with icicles hanging from every portion of their, their Krogan manatees. So, wow. Um, yeah, because, because they've done the trip so many times, they're very comfortable. So they tend to leave a little bit later from the Great Lakes than others. And there were lot closures and things like that, that created issues. So they were out there in October and with icicles. Okay. So tell us what we all really want to know. 
what is the perfect Great Loop boat according to Kim Russo? Oh, that's such a difficult question because everybody's idea of the perfect boat is different. I mean, the guy who did it in a dinghy thought that was the best way you could do it. I don't know if I can answer that I question. I threw you a trick question. <laughs> I can tell you the average boat in our database is 40 feet. You know, I think there's a perception that a lot of the boats are in the 60 foot range. Um, and there certainly are some, you know, one of the, the gold loopers we had speaking at Trawler Fest that talked about their specific loop was on a 55 foot Fleming. Um, so certainly one of the bigger boats out there and one of their buddy boats there were along the way was um, in a 60 foot Ocean Alexander. So we do see those bigger boats. And for everyone that approaches that 60 foot, we probably have a couple that are in the 30 foot range. Um, so for the last couple of years, the average has stayed right around that 40 foot mark. But they've all got to get under that what 18 foot bridge, uh, Chicago Railroad Bridge, right? 19.7 feet. 19.7 feet. <laughs> That's the current charted um, height. And of course, you know, depending on pool level and things like that, it can vary slightly. Yeah, that's on mile marker 300.5 of the Illinois Waterway. And that you know is that stuff. is the lowest. Well, that's because that is the one. That is yep. the bridge that, you know, if you can't get under that bridge, there's no alternate route. So right. if you can't get under that bridge, you can't do the Great Loop. What's the best piece of advice you want to give all the first timers out there? I mean, my first piece of advice is to just start. You know, if it's something that you think you want to do, go to some things like Trawler Fest. You know, get educated a bit on what it's like to, find places that you can talk to other loopers and pick their brain. But in, in my position, I've seen far too many people who waited for that right time for that perfect time. And it passed them by, you know, we all keep getting older. So health issues start to make it to the point where it's harder and harder to do the great loop. Um, you know, the other thing is this is not an ocean crossing. So if you start out and you're not having a great time, you can bail out. You know, you can turn around, and go back, you can stop and reassess, even leave the boat for a time and, and figure out why is this not what I thought it was going to be. For the most part, even uh, people who are unsure about it tend to go out and have the time of their life. Um, but it's not for everyone. And but there's nothing that says just because you've started it that you have to finish it. And you could even start it by not saying, oh, I'm going on. the. We're starting the Great Loop. You could say we're starting a trip to the Potomac River. And then there's no pressure. You know, if you get that far and that's about all you want to do, you can turn around and go home. Now, if they want to get the gold burgee, because mm -hmm. it's all about the gold burgee, <laughs> do they have to register before they start out or can they start halfway or how does that work? We take their word for it. Um, you know, it's an honor essentially system. it's an honor system. If okay. they have completed the whole route, um, they earn the gold burgee. Now, technology being what it is, we could probably find a way for them to prove it, but just not real interested Check in doing GPS. that. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, my theory on it is who are they cheating if they didn't really do it? I mean, nobody but themselves, honestly. Sure. So yeah, it's, it's the honor system on the gold burgee for sure. And where can our audience go to learn more about AGLCA and uh, learn more about the Great Loop itself? Our website, which is greatloop.org. Uh, lots of resources there for members and for non-members. So um, the frequently asked questions area is a great place to start because a lot of the obviously frequently asked questions, you will find the answers there. Um, but there's an information menu that is all types of information about the Great Loop. And then there's a connect menu, which is ways to connect with other loopers. Some of the connect menu is behind the member wall, um, but there is there is some information as a non-member. You're certainly welcome to to get there. Great. Everyone check it out. Greatloop.org. Kim Russo, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. This was a great time. This episode was brought to you by our good friends at Ranger Tugs. If you're thinking about doing the Great Loop and you're looking for a great boat to do it in, trust me, you definitely want to consider Ranger Tugs. With their low air draft, endless amenities for cruising and livability, proven performance, and trailer ability, 
Ranger Tugs are the boat of choice for many loopers. Learn more about what they can offer you for your great loop experience at rangertugs.com. That's rangertugs.com. Well, folks, that wraps up today's episode of Trawler Talk. Hope you learned a lot about the great loop, and I hope our chat with Kim Russo has inspired you to get out there and make that dream a reality. Remember, for all your Great Loop questions, go visit greatloop.org, and you can also find a ton of stories about the Great Loop at passagemaker.com, your home for all your long-range cruising needs. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time. For Trawler Talk and Passage Maker Magazine, I'm Andrew Parkinson.